podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network.
play. Good afternoon, good morning, good evening. I have no idea what time it is where you are or where you're tuning in from. I have no idea really what even what day it is, even what year it is. Sometimes I am confused. Um, but whatever you do, make sure you subscribe to the channel and hit that like button. Uh, I can see some comments already from uh, Brian as well and Ghosty. Uh, I will be addressing some of your comments, probably best to do it at the end, okay? So that way you can also react to some of the things that I'm saying, but really good to have so many of you on board already. Okay, as you can see from our headline here, these were for me the three major casualties of today. Daniel Medvedev, last year's Australian Open finalist and recent world number one out in straight sets to Sebi Korda. I called it. I said it yesterday. I said it last week. Nothing surprised me about that result. I'll go into a bit more detail very shortly. Maria Sakkari also out. Pretty sad. A very nervy Maria Sakkari. We saw some double faults from her in that final set. But again, I'll come to that in a bit more detail. Cam Norrie, I think, is a bit more surprising. But he did come up against a tough opponent. Okay, let's go through some of the day's play. So, where shall we begin? Well, I guess we can begin with... Let's begin with Sebi Korda, okay? It happened in the evening. We had three unbelievable matches reaching a crescendo, in a way. This one was reaching the end of the first set, but I do think it was decisive. And I think that that was pretty important to see how the rest of the match turned out. And this one was coming towards the end of its first set as Tiafo and Hatchinoff were coming towards the end of their match. And we also had Hatchinoff and Shapovalov. How many ofs is that? Is that an ofs for you? Anyway, they were all coming to the end of their match as well. And it was reaching quite a crescendo in each respective match. Looking at this match and looking at Sebi Korda, has he dispelled some of the concerns about his nerve? We saw him, how he cracked a little bit in Indian Wells with a two-break advantage over Rafael Nadal. Maybe there have been a few doubts about his temperament, or at least we were uncertain. Did he dispel some of those today? I think maybe he did. Because listen, think about some of the travails that he went through today. Upper break. He loses it in the first set, goes into the tiebreak, has a mini-tiebreak mini advantage, loses it once more. However, his aggressive style of tennis never failed, and he continued, and he won that tiebreak. He then goes on to win the second set. In the third set, he's a break-up. He seeds that advantage, and you're thinking, oh, no, but... He didn't let it bother him, and he managed to close it out, beating Daniel Medvedev. What a 12 months it has been for Daniel Medvedev. Think back to that Australian Open final. He goes into it as, for me, a pretty warm favourite against Rafael Nadal. And what we saw in the first two and a half sets reflected that. Then came the inflection point at Love 40 to his advantage. Nadal comes back, and he hasn't been the same player since. He goes to Acapulco. Nadal crushes him. 
he goes into the sunshine double and doesn't perform, perhaps through, due to an injury. Clay court season, pretty much a write-off because of that injury. Does okay on the grass, doesn't play at Wimbledon. Not his fault. However, then we enter the key stage of the season for him, and he disappoints immensely in North America, ahead of the US Open. Question marks are now being asked. It's been six, seven, eight months since we've really seen him perform. We know he won in Las Cabos, but we didn't take too much stock in that. US Open disappoints once again, out in the fourth round. It's getting earlier and earlier and earlier, his departures. And now it's the third round and he drops out of the world top 10. I had concerns. I also thought it was a little bit strange, given the 12 months that we had, that some people were predicting Daniel Medvedev. Or in fact, many people were predicting Daniel Medvedev to get to the semifinals. Many people had him getting to the final and some people even saying he would go all the way. There has been nothing that we have seen in the last 12 months, in my opinion, that suggested that would be the case. Third round departure and the most damning indictment of all, it's not a surprise. But it's not a surprise because of the person on the other side of the net. And we have I have to say, I took a lot of stock in his performances before here, particularly, of course, in Adelaide, where he got to the final and was within one point of beating Novak Djokovic. For me, that said a lot. And he performed today. How far do you think he can go? I have him in my semi-final. I had a few doubts about it. Last minute doubts before today's match, thinking maybe that semi-final was a bit optimistic. Anyway. Now, of course, looking pretty good. Okay, next match on the horizon uh, for us to discuss. Let's have a quick look through uh, some of these. Uh, Krajcikova, uh, Coco Goff, and Jessica Bugula, and uh, Iga Sviontek as well, all comfortably through. Which one of those three do you have going all the way I have Krajcikova in the final, but to be honest with you, it's a bit of a lottery. Any one of those three, maybe even Pagula right now, is looking the best bet to go all the way, particularly, of course, as she beat Iga 6-2-6-2 just a few weeks before this tournament. Uh, Lewis, nice of you to join us as well. I will be addressing all of your comments, so do not be afraid. Do not think that I'm ignoring you. I can see certainly the names, and I will be addressing some of the questions very shortly. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Rebakina, uh, good win for her. I know we had Ghosty on board for that match uh, at about three or four o'clock in the morning, as it was here in Germany. Uh, I'm sure it was a much more comfortable time in North America, where many of you tuned in from. Make sure you hit that like button and subscribe to the channel, by the way. Uh, we're actually going to have a night off this evening. We're going to have a couple of beers. I hope you don't mind, Ghosty. I hope you don't mind, Brian. We're going to have a couple of beers this evening and relax, but we'll be waking up for you in the morning and bringing you live coverage of 
Andy Murray, Roberto Bautista are good. How can we not? And also Novak Djokovic, who will also be in action against Dimitrov. Also, let me know how you see those matches panning out. We'll be covering those two matches and basically all of the evening or night action in Melbourne, which, of course, is morning here. And I apologize. That will be about three o'clock in the morning, which is probably when Ghosty and Brian are coming back from their Beers World pub nightclub nights out. So maybe you can tune in and fall asleep to the dulcet tones of talking tennis. Rybakina, good win. Not the most exciting of matches, as I said before, I would suggest, which basically was largely down to the fact that she served well. Collins didn't return so well. What does that mean? As I said to Ghosty in the live, uh, live chat, maybe not the most exciting of events. Um, Collins, I think the injury was was okay, but she did go off court. There was a couple of hobbles from her, maybe impeded her, but not taking anything away from Rebecca, who I think was excellent on serve, aided and abetted tinily by Collins. And don't forget, this is the third match in a row for Collins going three sets. Bit of a disappointment for her. Last year's finalist, that's both of last year's runners-up, by the way, of course, out on day five. Daniel Collins crashes out the number 13 seeds. Rebakina goes on. And of course, Rebakina now will be playing Iga Sviontek. Now things start to get very, very, very interesting for the world number one. And to be honest with you, I make Iga the slight favourite. But there'll be no surprises from now on regarding the women's draw, in my opinion. Okay, what have we got up next? Oh, little picture of Andy Murray. Yes, he arrived at, at he arrived at Melbourne Park today at around about lunchtime. Not a, just a few hours after he'd left uh, to warm up and exercise a bit on the bike and have a bit of a practice. Okay, Yannick Sinner is the next one on my list. He won in five sets. Do you see that as a remarkable turnaround? I know that Brian said, oh, Yannick Sinner's done. I think by the time Brian woke up this morning, or maybe even before he went to bed, he may well have realized that actually Yannick started to turn things around. And to be honest with you, though, he did get a little bit of a helping hand from Martin Fucevic, in my opinion, summed up by one particular volley at the net, which was pretty tame. But you don't win three games out of the last 21 if there isn't something going wrong on the other side of the net. What exactly that was, don't know. He's not exactly mentally fragile and he certainly isn't physical. I do think Sinner upped his game. The unforced errors went down. The winners picked up. But there's no doubt in my mind that he was aided and abetted by his opponent. 4-6, 4-6, two tight first sets. And perhaps the scoreboard was telling us a bit of a lie at that point. I remember looking at the overall points tally and it was pretty much 50-50 uh, at the beginning of the third set. And then Sinner stepped it up and ended up rounding it off pretty clearly. Gary, nice of you to come on board as well. I will be addressing that Zhu Lin match very shortly. Sinner is winning the Australian Open, Jethro. I apologize. I'm actually, that one was very succinct, Jethro. I have actually vowed to come to your comments at the end. Uh, I hope you can hear me clearly. Ghosty, you're my sound man in, the, in, in North America. Let me know if I'm coming through loud and clear there. Um, but I'll, like I said, I'll be coming to all your comments. I promise you I'll address them all. But you see, if I lean over, it's too much to then lean back again. So what I'll do is I'll come to your comments 
at the end, and I'll try and address as many of them as I can. But I had to say, I saw Sinner winning the uh, Australian Open jump out at me there. Well, there is going to be someone standing in his way, and that man, of course, is uh, somebody I don't have a picture of. <laughs> uh, probably because he was had he had a pretty unremarkable match, uh, which was, uh, of course, Stefanos Tsitsipas. That's who Sinner will be playing in the next round, and that's where I see Sinner's Australian Open run coming to an end. Um, Tsitsipas winning in straight sets today. He's looking good, looking very good. And, of course, with Medvedev going out, arguably would say his path is a bit clearer. Of course, Rafa Nadal going out already as well. Rafa Nadal's conqueror as well. A bit of a pity for McDonald, of course, to crash out today in straight sets to Nishioka. Nishioka, of course, will be playing uh, the man on my screen right now, uh, Hatchinoff, in the next round because he saw off um, Tiafo. But just quickly on uh, um, Nishioka against McDonald. McDonald had an abdomen problem that appeared to hamper him from the beginning of the second set. Don't know to what extent. Nevertheless, Nishioka is through, and he will play Karen Hatchinoff. There he is. Uh, by the way, uh, my how professional do you think my scoring thing is here? We're just scribbling the scores on the screen. Um, by the way, I didn't hear a response from Ghosty regarding my sound. Let me just have a quick look to see if you can hear me loud and clear. Loud and clear. Great. Thank you, Ghosty. I'll just put that up on the screen for now. That'll do. And it sits quite nicely across my chest. Talking of chests, is it Fucevic-esque? Not quite. Bit more working out to do. But I'm sure yours is ghosty. Listen, I, I know you can't quite see it, but uh, basically we've got 6-3, There's a six here somewhere, which basically represents 7-6 in the fourth set for Hatchinoff. But listen, that barely tells the story. Hatchinoff, as is his wont, ekes out the first two sets. Better player for sure, but... From the third set onwards, we did start to get a feel that Tiafo was flexing his muscles. And in fact, he was phenomenal in that third set. And I would argue he was possibly even the better player in the fourth set. And he was certainly the better player for the first seven points of the tiebreak. He races into a 6-1 lead, which makes it all the more excruciating that, of course, he ends up losing the match. 6-1 soon becomes 6-2, 6-3, 6-4. And here comes the crucial point for me. And I think psychologically, this is what happens. We saw it today with, um, funny enough, with uh, the Daniel Medvedev tie break with Korda. And I said it again, and I said it for the Tiafo one. The crucial point for me in this situation, when you have an advantage, but you seed it, we saw it with Nadal against Vedev and Nadal also against Djokovic in the quarterfinals and semifinals of the French Open. Who remembers what happened there? Nadal gets into, I think, a 6-1 lead against Djokovic. Djokovic races back to 6-4. This is the most important point. It's the last one you're going to have for the set or potentially sometimes for the match on your serve. And you've already seen your opponent start to eat back, but you've still got a gap. You need to do it here. Nadal did it at 6-4 in that tiebreak against Djokovic. Zverev didn't do it in the tiebreak against Nadal. Sinner did it today at 6-4, 7-4. But can you imagine having had that advantage, especially as he had 
I had a serve advantage as well in that set. Imagine losing it. And that's what happened to Tiafo. That is the most important point of the entire match. From that point onwards, it goes from 6-4 to 6-5. There was no doubt in my mind that Tiafo, and I'm going to use this verb advisedly, was going to lose that tie break. No matter what happened in the next few points, it eked and it ebbed and it flowed. But there was now no point at which Tiafo was in control once more. And Kachanov won it in that tiebreak. Crushing for Tiafo. Crushing was what he was doing for the previous two sets, by the way, in my opinion. And really disappointing for him in the clash of last year's US Open semi-finalists. Hatchinoff, though, rides on to the fourth round where he will play Nishioka. Let me know in the live chat how you see that match going because one of those two people will be a U.S. Open. U.S. Open? Oh, maybe. Um, <laughs> but um, in this year's Australian Open quarter finalist. Okay. What have we got next on the agenda? Ah, Ubi Urkacz. Winning in five sets today. Again, we can see the professional writing on the screen. Let me know in the live chat what you think about all this. And don't forget to like this. And if you're watching retrospectively, you may be watching in a few hours from now, long after we've finished recording this video and long after I've had a couple of beers in the pub and Ghosty and Brian too. You may be watching retrospectively. Get your comments in the live comments. In the live comments? No in the comments below the video uh, as well. And I will try and read them and address them as and when I can. Um, listen, uh, and if you're watching it also tomorrow, you can still get in the comments. If you're watching it perhaps in 36 hours from now as well, still get in the comments below the video and you can keep doing so. One thing I would say is if you're watching this video in 10 years from now, in the year 2033, 2023 plus 10. If you're watching this in 10 years from now, uh, what are you doing watching a, a review of day five at the Australian Open in 10 years? I have no idea. But you're still welcome to get in the comments below. And if I'm able to and capable of doing so, I will try and respond. Okay. Back to Hubi Hercatch anyway. Back to the present. Um, okay. So... Hubi Hercatch, 7664164663. He won today. Uh, what is there to say about this? We had Jamie on the live stream. He was covering it. I had basically three screens on at the same time. I was largely over the Tiafo Kachanov match, but then I would switch as well to this match. And both matches, one was in its final game and the other one was in its tiebreak, were at the same point, as was the Sinner match, by the way, in its, uh, sorry, Sinner. Corda match was in its tiebreak as well. It was insane. I was trying to catch all points. And sometimes it was working. You had uh, Hatchinoff bouncing the ball while Shapovalov was crushing a backhand, for example, whilst there was a small break in the... Um, what match am I missing from that? In the... In the you've got it anyway. What, one match. I, I can't remember now. Tiafo, uh, Tiafo was playing against... See, most people would just abandon at this point. And they go, oh, it doesn't matter. 
I'm going to try and remember, however excruciating this becomes. So Tiafo was playing Hatchinoff, right? And they were in a four-set tiebreak, 6-1, you know. Uh, so Tiafo was there uh, crushing the ball at various points. Then we had these guys, Hurtkatch and Shapovalov, and we had Korda, thank you, against Medvedev in their tiebreak. And there was ebbs and flows in each one. And at times, I could watch one point after the other with the exact gaps going on. Okay. So, uh, back to this match, though, specifically. Um, I don't think it's a bad to pick feet for Chapeau. I hit, that's two, three Grand Slams now out of the last five, I think. He's been involved in five set defeats, but they have been of a very different nature. The one a year ago against Nadal, mm, the noise I made says it all. However, the defeats to Rublev and then today to Hercatch a little bit different. What will disappoint Shapovalov most of all is probably the first set. The first set, he has advantages, including a, a breakup. That's really, in a way, probably where he lost it. He, he had the advantage at 5-4. I think he was serving for it. Certainly, I remember Hercatch getting it back to 5-all. He had chances in that first set he didn't take them and ultimately he was made to pay but this fight back by the way one six four six was excellent he almost got it back as well here her catch was serving for it love 40 on the her catch serve but hats off to her catch he pulled it round he wins six three progresses through to round four okay let me know your thoughts in the live chat. Azarenka, by the way, I didn't see this match, but it was a good one. And I know Nick was covering it for us on the channel today. One six six two six one. By the way, make sure you subscribe to the channel because we have more tennis coming for you. We're just going to be across this Australian Open like nothing else before. So make sure you subscribe to the channel if you are new. Okay, 166261 kind of tells it all. There was a big swing in this match, and Azarenka proceeds through to the next round. This was a match that I only caught the final set off, so I didn't see the first two sets. Well, I saw a few points from the first two sets. But 761664, you can't quite see the 64 there, if perhaps, by the way. I do this by the wonder of modern technology. Maybe you can see it. Yes, you can. So, 7-6-1-6-6-4. Third set, I was all across. First couple of sets, I was catching points here and there as I was also trying to keep across the quarter match against Medvedev. Maria Sakkari is half of this story. Zhu is the other half. Zhu played really, really well. And the problem is for Zachary is I think now the nerve situation means that she does need her opponent to maybe not quite be making her play the extra ball, not quite be hitting top form. When Zachary sees on the other side of the net, Zachary's feeling a bit nervous. What helps is if your opponent is a little bit nervous too. Your opponent is failing slightly too. This can help your case. Not today, though. She's seeing her opponent crush the ball, not making too many errors. Even though she was a breakup in the third set, 
then she lost that break. Sakri gets it back. By the way, there was a little mean moment I found. Really mean. Really mean. And if there's a steward anywhere nearby, they're not doing their job if they don't eject this individual from the crowd. Sakri faults. Happens. She's bouncing the ball, ready to do a second serve. Somebody shouts out audibly, extremely clearly, almost as clearly as Ghosty can hear me in North America right now. And I hear him say, after that fault from Sakri, another one. I felt really, really bad for Marie. And I'm so pleased that she got the ball in. I think she ended up winning that point. But you could set sense for Maria again, the nerve management got to her. You know, on a, in, a, in, a, in an uh, opposite way, she shouldn't be losing to the world number 87. She should be winning that match, particularly as, to be honest with you, when she wins that second set, 6-1, I'm thinking to myself, she's going through, but she's not winning the tournament. That's what I was thinking at that point. I was surprised. And hats off to Zhu at the beginning of the third set. She gets it, gets it back together, races into a very early two-love lead with a break. Sakari gets it back. And I think, okay. But that was more Sakari getting it back. It wasn't Zhu failing. Now, what, what's your response to this, Zhu? Zhu maintained maybe even up to level. That only unnerved Sakari even more. I remember at least one double fault at a crucial point as well. Once Sakari lost her serve... I still thought it's not necessarily done. There'd been quite a few breaks already. However, Zhu served it out incredibly. And what an emotional time it was for her in the on-court interview afterwards. She said, do you mind if I speak Chinese? And she spoke a bit of Chinese. But we all understood the message, certainly beforehand, as she said, just how incredible this was for her. She progresses onto the fourth Round. Someone who's not progressing, though, Cam Norrie. His form going into the tournament was unbelievable. Maybe he peaked. Maybe he peaked before this tournament. And that, unfortunately, wasn't good enough today against Lehetska. The inform Lehetska, by the way, who's been playing really well. Remember him crushing Zverev before the United Cup. Before the United Cup? In the United Cup, before the Australian Open. But mind you, everyone's been crushing Zverev, including Mo, of course, yesterday. So, uh, Cam Noy, 7 uh, 6, wins the first set. Thinks he set. 3 6, 6 3, 1 6, 4 6. Doesn't completely tell the story, though. Five sets. There were so many breaks of serve. It felt like about an hour and a half before Cam Noy could hold his serve around about sets four and five. He just kept getting broken. In fact, the one in that one six four set was Cam Nori breaking Lehetska, and he had break points. And perhaps that was the story. Lehetska took his chances. Cam Nori didn't. There was a small issue with his knee, I think, in the fifth set. But in fairness, it didn't seem to disrupt his movement, certainly not on the day. And Lehetska proceeds through to the fourth round of the Australian Open. Okay. I think that's me done. Well, it's just a few things I just want to have a quick look at. Yeah, just some some of the quarterfinal, sorry, some of the fourth round lineups now that we do have on the cards as a result of our things. Maybe let's, um, yeah, can't quite see those on the big screen, but nevertheless, I can tell you what they are. So we've got McDonald against Nishioka. Um, uh, sorry, we've got Nishioka against Hatchinoff and we've got her catch against Korda. So 
two of those will be in the quarterfinals. I'm going to stick with quarter, of course, and I guess Kachanov in his second consecutive uh, Grand Slam quarterfinal. Um, and now quarter semifinals. That's where I had him looking more and more likely. Okay. And in the other uh, section, the other quarter, if you like, Sitsipas will play Sinner in a replication or replication, repeat. I think it's the same thing, right? Of last year's quarterfinal. And again, I see it going the same way. Sitsipas being Sinner. I had that in my bracket. That's how it is. Felix is playing Lehechka. Uh, Felix, I think, will progress there. And that'll make a tasty quarterfinal. Felix against uh, Pass. But you know what? I wouldn't rule out Lehechka. I really wouldn't. Sitsipas, sorry, Felix has been anything but a certainty. He won in four sets, by the way, against Serondolo. But it wasn't comfortable. He had a bit of a wobble. He seems to always have a wobble. He wobbles more than a bit of jelly, in honest. Uh, in, not in honest? In all honesty. You know what I mean. So that is that. I'm now going to come to the uh, live chat to see what's going on here. Maybe we can even just switch this around a little bit so I can see things a bit more clearly. Kachanov is always just hanging around the top, the step up to a trophy feels so close and yet ghosty so far. Okay, I'm going to scroll back to some of your earlier comments to see what's going on there. Um and try and address some of your questions. By the way, have you noticed, by the way, I've been a bit more generous with my time today. Uh, recently, I've been squeezing in 10 minutes for the 20 minutes because it's been such a last-minute thing, trying to sleep and then cover, of course, the night's action. But perhaps because tonight is a night off, it's given me a chance to do a more extensive 20 minutes. By the way, make sure you hit that like button and don't forget to subscribe. And if you like what you see and you want to get a comment on the screen and you want something to be addressed or you just want to donate to the channel, feel free to hit that button. I think there's a dollar sign on it. Maybe it's translated to euros or whatever your currency happens to be. And you can give us a, what do you call it? Super chat. I nearly called it a Snapchat, but it's called a super chat. You can click on that and donate anything you want. But we do accept $100 bills. Okay, uh, let's have a quick look at uh, some of the comments here from Ghosty getting in uh, pretty early. I heard that Ghosty likes to do so. How has Korda progressed so rapidly? I saw him mention Radu Stepanek and Andre Agassi are on his team. Wasn't aware of Agassi, I must say, uh, Ghosty. That's news to me. Is that the biggest factor? Mentorship. I was truly stunned by the straight sets victory today. Um, well, first of all, truly stunned by the straight sets victory. Maybe, maybe. Uh, listen, I think Jack is somebody who seems to be a bit of a corder scholar. He's been slowly but carefully purring about corder over the last few weeks, few months. He actually thinks corder may well end up going on to having a, a better career than any other American on tour right now, including Taylor Fritz and Francis Tiafo. Let's see if that comes to fruition, but he's starting to fulfill that potential. Maybe Ghosty meeting me. Last April, May, I think it was, we crossed paths. Maybe it was at that that inspired him to go on to the next level. It was just after, by the way, he'd lost to Rafa Nadal at Indian Wells, uh, having had a double break in the third set there. So maybe that's what it was. We crossed paths. He wanted to have a selfie. I obliged because that's the kind of guy I am. And the next day I saw him again because uh, it was in a small town in southern France. And he was returning from the supermarket with a couple of members of his team. 
uh, ready to have a movie night in, uh, I recall. And they had lots of bags of chips, as you call it in the US. Do you like how I translated crisps to chips? And um, and lots of Coca-Cola. So maybe that's what it is all about. But uh, seriously, I do think basically he's made little little incremental progressions in every single part of his game. And we had these doubts about his mentality, and it was fine. Regarding the stunning straight set style of the victory, I also think there's something going on on the other side of the net with uh, Daniel Medvedev. Either he's lost his mojo, either he's lost some confidence over the last 12 months, or perhaps is it too unfair to say a one- or two-dimensional game from Daniel Medvedev is starting to get found out, maybe even as a result of some of those defeats uh, a year or so ago. And by the way, thank you for the super chat, uh, Ghosty, once again. Um, <laughs> I've still got your loud and clear comment on the screen. Maybe I should put this uh, point up that you just made on there. But thanks for your super chat. And if you are inspired by Ghosty, just like I am, feel free to donate or just simply ask a question. Uh, nobody should, should be surprised at this point with Maria Zachary. Indeed, Brian, it is becoming a bit of a pattern. I mean, the worrying pattern was when she was getting to semifinals and still not getting over the line or the Indian Wells final and not getting over the line. But now the pattern is third round defeats, fourth round defeats. Tatiana Maria at Wimbledon. I think that was second round there, actually, uh, albeit on a grass surface. Mukova, second round French Open. Today, third round to Zhu, number 87 in the world. She went out fairly early in New York as well. So it is becoming a pattern. She didn't reach the semifinals in Australia. And of course, it's, you know, come the French Open, it'll be two years since that crushing semi-final defeat to Krajcikova. Okay. Uh, what other things we got going on here as well? Uh, yes, Zachary's getting a bit of a reputation. You'd argue Madison Keys too. I'm not quite so sure about that. Yeah, I agree. Juice tears were lovely. Uh, you called it, John. My bracket is totally exploded. Yes, indeed. That's how it is. Okay. Uh, Lewis there saying you can't wait to see Murray tomorrow. Eager and Goff are looking strong. I think Eager probably slightly more so than Goff, but that's understandable. And of course, I think they're on a collision course for a potential quarterfinal. But Eager, of course, will have to negotiate with Bakana before that. Pagula, sure. It's, it's, it's really a bit of a lottery, really, between Pagula, Eager, uh, Garcia, Sabalenka, and I would argue Krajcikova as well. Any one of those five could win this tournament, and I would not be surprised. Goff, I would say, is a little bit outside of that circle, but who knows? I've been wrong about tennis before, and I'll definitely be wrong in the future. Uh, Brian said he loved Cowan last night, and he saw that coming. Yeah, you did. You did have Cowan to win that. I had Tiafo in my bracket, so I can't. Uh, claim too much there. And um, yeah, I felt sorry for Francis, but that's how the cookie crumbles sometimes. Good win for Rebecca in an otherwise terrible match. Yes, we watched that one together, didn't we, Ghosty? Uh, yeah, my nightclubs or bed at 10, 10 Eastern time. Is that is that 10 a.m., Brian? Maybe that's 10 a.m. for Brian. He's so late coming back. Um, <laughs> anyway, um, Lewis there saying it felt weirdly comfortable for a five-setter. Are you referring to uh, Hatchinoff, perhaps? Sorry, are you referring to her catch there? I'm not quite sure. Oh, I see Sinner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In fact, the Sinner one had echoes of, and I agree, Ghost, it did feel more like a Fuchsovich collapse. Listen, most commentators, by the way, 
they'll watch a match like that and they'll be asked or experts, what do you think? Was that was it Sinner, you know, great or was it Fucinovic not great? And they always say a little bit of both, but there has to be slightly one more than the other. And I do agree that Sinner was good, but I'm erring slightly more towards the Fucinovic collapse on this occasion. And it did feel weirdly comfortable, Lewis. Funny enough, it felt a bit like Sinner's loss to Djokovic at Wimbledon when it just never fell in doubt from the moment Djokovic broke at the beginning of the third set. Uh, Brian clearly is pleased that Sinner won, though. I think probably because he just feels as though he's justifying his potential a bit more. Uh, Gary there saying he got here a bit late, so I'll watch uh, rewatch in a bit. Julian crashes a quarter that has all elite players in it. Juicy matches to come. Uh, Jethro there, yes, Sinner's winning the Australian Open. Um, the win by Sinner was impressive, but yes, Kutfutrovic crashed and burned. Indeed. Um, Sitsabas versus Sinner's next going to be very exciting. Lewis, you might be right, but a year ago, Sitsipas crushed him. And I think Sitsipas is in slightly better shape this year. Remember that, L- I think it was an elbow injury he had a year ago. And I'm not sure that Sinner is in such good shape. And I haven't really seen Sinner in excellent shape since the US Open, but we'll see. Okay. Moving on uh, to some other things. McDonald handshake with Nishioka was a little bit cranky, not a big deal, but still. Yeah, I did hear about that. Not quite sure what that's about. Maybe it's because of the McDonald injury and some medical timeouts. No idea. Maybe Nishioka wasn't too respectful, but I can't comment because I'm not aware of what happened. Uh, Gary there confirming that the sound is good. Hi, Janie as well. Nice to have you on board. Uh, Everybody, if you are still here, and I believe there are, a few of you still here, make sure you hit that like button. And if you're in 2033, 10 years later, also hit that like button too. Uh, sad to see Tiafa go out. Yeah, he's one of my favorites to watch too. I agree. Um, cool. Ha- Gary, they're saying he didn't see the Hatchinoff match, but after seeing him take out Nick in New York, he's not surprised. Um, yeah, he's solid. He's solid. Um, but I do think, again, the tie break for Francis. Pity. Um, okay. Uh, Gary, they're predicting a Hatchinoff win in the quarterfinal. Uh, you may well be right. Oh, sorry, in the fourth round, you may well be right. Um, with that one, uh, over Lehechka, I think, isn't it? Is it Lehechka? No, there's Felix is playing Lehechka, but anyway, you may well be right. Actually, who is Hatchinoff playing? I've already forgotten. It's only about 10 minutes since I um last mentioned it. So, Sitsipas is playing Sinner. And Hatchinoff, oh yeah, Nishioka. Yeah, probably. Although I know a couple of guys at Talking Tennis who actually fancy Nishioka to do that. I think maybe Jack is one of them. I'm not sure. Okay, Gary there saying my scribbling works for him. And uh, Janie there saying, got to run. Take care, Janie, and enjoy that New York sunset. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Any other points here, Gary there? Sorry, Ghosty here saying, how much of Zachary's nerves are because of Schneider's competitiveness in the early round? I wouldn't say that's anything to do with it. I just think that it's been an issue for Zachary for a while. Um, I've knocked my bottle of water over, but you'll be pleased to know that the lid was on. Always have the lid on, kids. That's my advice. Um, Yeah, I don't think that had anything to do with it. I know she was a bit annoyed with Schneider uh, in the previous round. Listen, Zachary's a competitor. You know, I remember her slightly cold um, reaction to Trevi San uh, at the United Cup after her defeat there, which maybe told us to keep an eye out for Zachary here um, in terms of her form. Um, 
I don't have a problem. You lose a tennis match. You're not particularly happy. Maybe you're a bit annoyed by some of the antics on the other side of the net. Sure, there might be a cold handshake and a grumpy press conference and you move on. My only issue is if you're still dwelling on it six months later because um, you've got to get over it, which is really interesting, actually. I think it was a really interesting point that um, uh, David Samuel uh, made in in one of our chats, the coach of Liam Brody. He said, listen, he said to one of his players once, how long does it take you to get over a defeat? You know, and the other guy would say weeks or even longer. And he said, listen, do you want to win tennis matches? Yeah, really badly. He said, well, you're wasting weeks of your season. You're wasting weeks of your year and perhaps even your career. So you need to get over it and get on with it and try and fix the problem. And you're not going to fix it by being down. OK, uh, anyway, but no problem with a with a grumpy handshake. I'm fine with that. Who wants to win? Who wants to lose? I'm sure, Ghosty, when you play cards or whatever sport it is you're into, I'm sure you're not a not a good loser. Um, okay, thanks for the compliment as well. Nice descriptions. Uh, I have no idea, by the way, what that's referring to. I could have been describing anything, um, but I hope I'm glad you like it, whatever it was. Uh, and I, like for the Murray match experience again, fun experience. Um, and thank you, yeah, for that ghost D. Okay, the silky effect quarter will never lose again. <laughs> well, let's see. By the way, Ghosty, listen, I get things wrong a lot of the time as well. Uh, you've just caught me maybe on a hot streak, but that could easily change in the next 24 to 48 hours. Uh, hi, Lexi. Yes, nice to have you on board as well. And for those of you tuning in, make sure you hit the like button and don't forget to subscribe. Subscribe. Ghibli here getting in. Djokovic worries me with his injury, but surely if he'd done his hamstring properly, he couldn't play at all. I guess there's a fear that tightness, that tightness he feels could lead to a full tear at any moment. I don't know. I just don't know um, because um, I've heard he's not wearing it when he's practicing now. So I guess that's uh, a good thing. Uh, and you'd think if it is that serious, he'd be wearing it. Um, his, his movement seems pretty explosive when it needs to be. So that's fine. But there were a couple of moments in the previous round where after the explosive movement, which was fine, then there would be a hobble. However, in the final set, the only person hobbling was his opponent to a love to a bagel. Um, just don't know, don't know. And, 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 you know, a tight hamstring, which is what it does seem to be, can be fine. Uh, you know, a tight hamstring can, can clear up pretty quickly and, and can be fine. And you can have a tight hamstring for a while, you know, stretching obviously helps and even a day or two's rest can help, but it's still vulnerable. And, uh, for sure, if this uh, probably what I'm saying is if this was the Adelaide 250, I think he would have pulled out on the eve of this slam. But it's a grand slam and off we go. And if anyone's going to test it, a certain hen, a certain senor, I can call him senor, senor Hol Holgaruna in the uh, potential quarterfinal, is it for? I think it's a potential quarterfinal for uh, Djokovic, but of course, Runa will have to beat potentially uh, Rublev before that. So he'll have a few questions to answer. Uh, Zachary didn't seem that nervous. She was just better. Maybe Ghibli, but I do think that her being better added to that. And there were a few tight shots from her. A few times she was hitting the net. A few times she seemed a bit tentative. Like I say, the double fault. Maybe as well as a, as a commentator, we're all 
familiar with some of the yips that Sakui has appeared to have. She also openly talks about how desperately she wants it. We also saw the Netflix documentary where she openly talked about the anxiety she has, the looks towards the box as well, not knowing quite what to do in these situations, just for me, adds to the notion that she may be a little bit tense. But who knows? Uh, do I think Moe can go five again tomorrow, says Lewis? No, I don't. I don't think he can go five again tomorrow. But I said the same about yesterday, and I was wrong there. I said the same more or less about the Berrettini match. Certainly when it when Berrettini gets back to two sets all, for me there was only one winner. See, Ghosty, I do get it wrong sometimes. Okay, you think Umber could take Runa? I don't, uh, Ghibli, personally, but you never know. I would love to see a Senor Runa t-shirt with him in a black cowboy hat and holding two smoking pistols. I know you would, Ghosty, and I'm sure we all would. Two, I hope this episode of 20 Minutes was a little bit more fulfilling than some of our previous ones where they've had to be short, sharp, and snappy. I really went for it in a lot more detail today, thankfully having a bit more time, because this time yesterday, <laughs> this time yesterday, by the way, ladies and gentlemen, uh, uh, Andy Moe was still playing. So um, that explains why I had to, uh, you know, do a little bit of a short, sharp 10-minute one then. Thankfully today... Uh, I've had a bit more time to do these things. Whoa, what a tournament. I do think it has taken off Ghosty in the last 48 hours, very much so. But as you can tell from the tone of my voice, I am bringing today's episode to a close. Make sure you hit that like button. Make sure you subscribe to the channel if you're new. And I will be speaking to you all again very, very soon. I think Novak, Andy, and Steph are probably the big fan draws left and right. Yeah, quite possibly Andy will be the big draw um, to some extent, but I don't see don't see him going super far, but we'll see. Could be wrong. Peace as well, Ghosty. And I will leave you with the two-minute video that we had to introduce the show with some of the highlights from the last 24 hours, and then I will see you all again very, very soon.
If you enjoyed this video, make sure you hit that like button. Don't forget to subscribe and click that notification bell so you don't miss out on all things tennis. Sports Social Podcast Network.